All right. So, once again, it's good to see you. I hope and pray that the Holy Spirit is allowed to do everything that he desires in our hearts today. Amen? Heavenly Father, Lord, you know each and every one of us. I pray that by your grace, there would be work that is done in our lives. I pray that in each and every one of us, there would be a heart's desire of Abba, Father, and that we would understand the time that we live in today. And we pray this in our Savior's name. Amen. Like I told you, I have, this has been going through my heart for over a month now. And not being able to get into the pulpit and preach has, yes, been frustrating. Because I get to, you know, I'm there, I'm kind of foggy in my mind. Now, don't make a statement about that. <laughs> but it's like, okay, I'll, uh, I'll watch a little bit of the news. And I'd gotten away from the news somewhat. And I thought, well, with everything that's going on, I'll, I'll, I'll get a situation where I can watch, you know, watch the news. You know, I have since found out that is not always the smart thing to do. Your blood pressure winds up going all over the place. You are fighting to stay sanctified in the Lord Jesus because you'd like to go through the tube and just smack somebody. But really, overall, it comes to this. We are living in times that our Bible speaks of. Nothing is ever going back to normal. Our God is at work. And by the way, our God is large and in charge. So let's never forget that. Let's never forget that seriously, John told us, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I, I, I think that there's a possibility that we wind up at, at times almost looking at end times scripture and thinking it as being surreal. Well, it's something that's out there, but there's no way I would ever be in that or anything like that. No, we're there. We're there. So there's two scriptures that we're going to be looking at, two verses this morning. Like I said, I don't know if I'm going to be able to glean everything. I, th there's so much here. So you're in Philippians chapter 2. Let's go to verse 12. The Apostle Paul writes to the people there in Philippi, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. And then he makes this statement. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Why? For it is God that worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Now, 
first of all, I, I, I want to make a statement, and I couldn't be more serious. With the changes that have been coming up, with that which is going on in our world today, even in our nation, there are all kinds of thoughts about the future. Unfortunately for God's people, often what we wind up settling on are thoughts of potential persecution, tribulation. We, we, we get to thinking about the what ifs. And that's not a good thing. See, that's not what our preparation should be about. Pastor Ron Perry over in Folsom, a good man, I appreciate his ministry. He wrote something this last week. He posted this and I thought, you know, this, this is good. He says, you know, often we wind up asking this question, is it worth it? What we really should be asking is, is he worth it? He is worthy. Folks, he is worthy. By the way, I've got I've to mention this. First of all, can I make a statement before you all? Lord, please don't put me in the hospital for a while again. I'm telling you, I just, you know, sometimes it's just, it's not that exciting. And I praise God for those of you that work there. You know, you try to make people like me more comfortable. But I was seeing my surgeon this last week and I saw my, saw the x-rays again. And you know, when they pop those things up, you get to looking and going, I don't remember that. When did they put that in my body? When did they take that out of my body? You know, it's just all kinds of stuff. It's just, you know, it's like, oh boy. But remember a year ago when I had the heart, when I had the quadruple bypass, I, okay, I prayed, said, you know, okay, Lord, what are you trying to teach me? And that guy was put in my room next, five, not even five minutes later, and he wound up going into cardiac arrest, and within an hour he was gone. And I, all I heard was code blue, code blue, code blue. And I thought, Lord, that's it. Thank you. You've taught me the world is on code blue. And it is on code blue. So the, the, um, there was a situation that took place with my left leg. So usually right now they do, it's amazing. They do the knee replacements or the hip replacements. They want you out of the hospital the same day, the same day. But because of this, they couldn't do it, so they wound up putting me in a room. It was one o'clock in the morning, and I heard somebody next to me, and I thought, okay, Lord, there's somebody here. So I started praying for him. I just figured, you've got me here. I'll, I'll start praying. So I did, and kind of slept fitfully, you know, off and on. In the morning, uh, his wife came, nice lady, walked in, and they started talking, and Bernie was there, and we could tell that they were speaking a language that was not English. So didn't quite know what was going on. So I had a gospel tract and, and uh, wanted to give it to them. So talked to them and said, listen, you know, uh, just want you to know we're praying for you. Well, it turns out they're from Romania. His name is uh, Cornell. I hope and pray they come to visit sometime, but they're believers. And we had a great time talking. 
But it was interesting. Here he was, he's a businessman, 62 years old. He had stomach cancer. They couldn't get the bleeding to stop. And they didn't know what was going on. And he was getting discouraged. So we started going over the promises of God. And I thought, this, this is great. This is, this is good. I'm, I'm loving this. So we had a wonderful time talking. We prayed together. And then later on, I thought, you know, this is interesting. Lord, you've shown me two things. Number one, the world is on code blue. But number two, there are believers out there. They don't know why some things are taking place in their life and they need encouragement. I want you to look down at the second row over here. There's nobody sitting there. You know who's usually there? Dan Blumquist. Dan Blumquist this last week had a stroke. His rights, the right side of his body is not cooperating. Roger and I are, Lord willing, going to be going to see him this week down at Mather. Boy, that's tough to hear. You know, there are just some people, you, you, you praise God, you know, when they're there. It's, it's just a joy. I mean, it's a joy to have all of you. Please don't misunderstand. But when you look at specific people, you think of specific challenges that you've known from time past. And this is not the first time that he's been in the hospital. He was there. He wound up getting hurt on a bike and wound up getting COVID while he was in the hospital. And that was hard. And then the situations that others have gone through. Sean, you know, you've always, <laughs> Sean, I'm telling you, and going through this, you've I, you've been in my thoughts a lot, brother. Tell you what. But there have been others, Rod Hust, and 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 by the way, I, I got word that Jerry Babcock, you know, she hasn't been able to come. She's getting lonely for God's people. Want to go over and see her. But there's others. Roger, am I missing anybody? Am, am I anybody that I might be trying needing to think of? The point is this, God's people need encouraged. Now watch this. How many of you in the last month have had a major challenge that you, you, you realized you'd had some major prayer that needed to be done? Raise your hand. Look around you. This is who you come with every Sunday. And it helps us realize that what we're going to be looking at is even more important than ever, than ever. Now let's remember, oh, I remember now there is somebody, Lynn Gilbert broke her elbow. So she's not here this morning. So there's people that need to be encouraged. The Lord knows what is ahead for us? But Paul reminded us, Romans 8, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory which shall be revealed in us. 
He truly is worth it. So let's go back to Philippians chapter two. First of all, I want you to see the command, the command. He says, wherefore, my beloved. Now there's two things just in that phrase. Number one, he uses the phrase, my beloved. You know, I can imagine Paul, he has a heart for God's people wherever the Lord has called him to and has called him to write. He loves them. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one toward another. You know, the Bible tells us, it warns us that a wise man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself, but the wicked pass on and are punished. So we need to be wise. There are times that are coming for us. We are coming into a time, I believe, where we're going to see things take place that we read about in the book of Acts and go, wow, that was really something. You know, our freedoms are not guaranteed by God. Our salvation is. But our freedoms, as far as constitutional freedom, they're not guaranteed. I am free in Christ. And yes, we see these freedoms from God, but we live in a sinful world. I'm telling you, God's people are going to realize more and more they need to love each other and watch for each other more than ever. But then he says, wherefore? Now that wherefore is there for this. He's hearkening back to what he wrote about Christ. Look at verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. Now we've already gleaned from this. I'm not going to preach this message again. But notice what is being said. Because this is the mind that we are to have in mind when it comes to our growth. Folks, Paul is writing to people where he has already stressed, you need to die in Christ. You are crucified in Christ. Nevertheless, you live. And I look at that and I go, wow, what does that mean? Hey, listen, let God take care of these things. But truly, I am crucified in Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And it's the same thing for you. He is saying, this is what you do. This is how, are you, how you are to think. We've got people that are trying to teach children today in government schools how to think when it comes to the most perverse things. I tell you what, shut Disney off and listen to God's word. And all God's people said, absolutely. So let this mind be in you. What was it with Christ? Well, his his reputation was not a priority. He had humbled himself. He was obedient. He was compassionate, forgiving. He was busy 
doing God's work, he would challenge other people. He was sympathetic. He was prayerful. He was steadfast. But more than anything else, he was steadfast and surrendered to God's will. Now that's the mind of Christ. That's what we are to be observing, seeking, praying over, accepting, and living. So he says this, go back to verse 12. He says, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but also now, but now much more in my absence. Now, here's why he's saying this. When Paul was there, God's people saw how he was living. While Paul was there, he was giving them the example, and they were encouraged in it. They were desirous of it, and they're right there lockstep with him. But now he's not there, but he's saying, now listen, remember how we, remember how we lived? Remember how we served him? Now, there's a lot we're going to be looking at for this summer. I haven't gone over anything. It's in the bulletin now, but we'll be looking at it later on. But there's so much that I desire that by God's grace we do. Because it's all about him. As long as we have ourselves here on this planet, this is what we are to be about. He says, listen, but now much more in my absence... Look at the phrase that he now uses. Work out your own salvation. Now listen carefully. Listen carefully. God has given each and every one of us a gift. If you have trusted Christ as your Savior, say amen. Do, do, do we understand what it is? Do we get a glimpse of him on the cross? Do we see the agony of the Savior? Do we recognize now the power that lies within us? We have talked about these things before. We think of the Holy Spirit that is given We have new life in Christ. We have a home in heaven. We rejoice in this. We are separated from our sins. Our sins are now under the blood of Christ. We're new creatures. But there is so much more than that. Now, you know, I'm different than you are. In this, we're all different. We all need the same Savior. But there are places in our lives, it's been different for us. It's been different. Brother Monroe and I, we were in the same youth group together way back, I think it was, what was it, 200 years ago? That was a long time ago, man. You know, down down there, here we are, you know, in Southern California. You know, things were different. We were different. And we, some of us, have been around... (laughs) a little longer than others. But the point is this. Every person that receives the gift of salvation, that gift, while 
being parallel to everybody else's, we have a new, we're a new creature in Christ, et cetera, et cetera. We have something specific for us because we all have different callings. We all have had different struggles. We are all called to different ministries. We all have different gifts, but we all have the same Christ. He said, work out your own salvation. Now we could park right here. We could ask ourselves, wait a minute. What have I done with my salvation since I've been saved? What is it that I have been looking to do? This phrase right here is a yard wide and a mile deep. Now listen, the phrase there, work out, I have made mention of this before. It's, it, it has to do, part of it has to do with taking an extensive mathematical equation and working it out to its final conclusion. But actually, it is so much more than that. We, we, we kind of laughed when it came to our family. Other people would go fishing. The Rogers family drove from LA all the way up to Donnyville and we went gold panning. But it was so much fun. I, I've shared some of this before. We'd get there to Union Flats, the, the campground on the other side. My, my dad got his diver's uh, permit, his certificate and he would actually go diving. I, I remember, I, I don't have it anymore. I've got a plastic one now, which I don't like. I, I'd rather have my old metal uh, gold pan. But I remember that, and when I was a kid, I, I actually built myself a sluice box where you could clean things out. Why? Because what you do, you learned to do this. You'd get rid of the stuff that was obvious. It didn't have gold and you would work with the water, you, you'd, you'd screen it, and then you'd screen it some more, and then you would work it, and you just work it. And pretty soon, you started seeing the black sand. You know why the black sand? Because it was heavier than regular dirt. It was heavier than all those other things, you know, stuff that would be in it, you start working it. And when the black sand appeared, it's like, I know what's coming next. And pretty soon you would start to see the gold flakes. Every once in a while, you'd see something a little bit bigger than that. But what you did is you worked it slowly. It wasn't just a thing of, all right, here's the dirt. Where's the gold? No, you, you had to work it out. Can you imagine if somebody gave you a gold mine and you're standing there and there's a hole in the side of the mountain and they say, now listen, we know that there is at least $500 million worth of gold in there. There's the mine. Now, can I ask you something? 
what would you start doing? You wouldn't just kick back in a lawn chair and look at the entryway and go, wow, this is cool. Gold mine. I'm telling you, the picks and the shovels would fly. You'd be in there faster than all. Get out. Why? Because you're going to go in and work the mine because something precious is there. Now listen. Here comes, are you, are you listening? Here comes the God of heaven. And he says, what I have just given you is priceless. But you've got to work it out. Now the question comes, do we believe God? Here's what can happen. We wind up looking in the mirror and we think there's just, there's no way that something priceless could be in that skin. Yeah, there is. Because God said so. He gave you something. You might have no idea. But if you have trusted Christ if you have turned from your sin to the Lord, if you have surrendered to him, he says, listen, what I have placed in you, you have no idea, but it's priceless. And I have put it there for my glory, not yours, but mine. Question, do you believe God? Through the guidance of the Holy Spirit, he has said, listen, this is what you do. You work out your salvation. In other words, you complete it. You carry it to its fullest conclusion. The word that is used here really did. It was used a couple of times for this. Number one, a a, a gold mine of some kind of a mine, but also in planting. If you were given a field, you would plant every square foot that you could that would yield a crop. That was you working it to its completion. I want you walking out of here today, if but for anything else, recognizing this. Your life is not about sports. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's not about us having a good time. We are bought with a price and God has put something priceless. He, it's a situation where in you, he has placed that which cost the Lord Jesus Christ an incredible amount. All you have to do is read the Gospels. And he says, now, you've been given this. Work it out. Well, what does that mean? Well, we're going to touch on that a little bit right now. But there's so much more to touch on. And if the Lord wills, in two weeks, we'll be going back to this. But just stop and consider what is said about us in Ephesians 4.13. Paul wrote, 
till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, a complete man, under the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. I just finished this last week reading the book of Acts. It was amazing to read of these men and the women. But these men, they they were fishermen. Just a few years before, they were fishermen. But not anymore. They were fishers of men. Now again, we look at that and we're so used to seeing um, entertainment on television. You know, in, in half hour chunks. An hour at the most. And we see that over and over and over again. And somehow the Christian walk winds up being put in with that. No. This is reality. What we are doing right now. God says, I put something in you. You need to work it out. And it's your salvation I can't work it out. You can't work mine out. But we can encourage each other to work it out. Amen? Now that's what makes a difference. We're not here to be entertained like you see on the tube. It breaks my heart when you see churches, they're about entertainment. No, no. Well, we we don't want to offend people. Churches, when they are preaching God's word, can't help but offend others. Not purposely, but my, my soul. Listen, if there is sin in your life, if there is sin in my life, it needs to go. If there is gold in the heart, It needs to be mined. I I grieve when I think of, you know, I, I, I look at, you know, what God's people wind up getting wrapped up in, and it's like, wait a minute. If Christ came tonight, would what you have been doing right that was that worth it? I was asked, you know, I'm I'm doing this thing on what's called story worth, and we're gonna hear a little bit more about that next Sunday for Mother's Day. But the question was asked this last week, and again, writing this for my kids and grandkids, you know, what stands out about your dad? What do you remember about your dad? You know, my dad was a plumber for 25 years. I praise God for my dad. He was making good money toward the end, big time. We had our own plumbing company, but then went belly up. It was a tough year. My dad wound up going uh, to UCLA and working there. He was, making, he was making really good money. But God had called him to preach. And even when he was working as a plumber, he was going to the rescue mission on Friday nights down there in LA, and he was preaching God's word. He was leading people to Christ. I praise God for what I remember about my dad. It was not about money. It was about him. He actually, even after he planted a church in Southern California, left it 
went to Ohio in part not only to plant another church, but also to lead his old drinking buddies to the Lord. And he led most of them to Christ. One of them wound up coming to his church, faithful member. That was great. That's what I remember about my dad. So I get to thinking, you know, what are my kids going to remember about me? By the way, one thing I rejoice in is the memory that they have our kids when they were growing up about some of you people. I praise God for that. Let's get back, though, into the Word. He says, work out your own salvation. And then he says this, with fear and trembling. With fear and trembling. Why? Well, you know, several thoughts come to mind. This business is serious business. Some people, when they see a pulpit, might not think too much of it. I tell you what, when I see that particular pulpit right right there, it terrifies me at times. You know why? Because when I'm standing here and I'm preaching, I realize I'm going to give account for everything that goes on behind this pulpit. And it hasn't always been the best. I need to be mindful of that. We need to be mindful of the work. Souls are at stake. We look at the world and we shake our heads. Why in the world? What, why doesn't the world see what the Bible is trying to tell them about their sin? And then we realize that heaven is looking at us and saying, why aren't you look at, listening to the scripture right now? Why aren't we taking into account the gold mine that God put within us that needs to be worked out? When he refers to fear and trembling, he's not talking about groveling before God. This this has to do with us recognizing this. We've got a weakness in our flesh. We need to understand that there's the wicked one that desires to destroy us. We have been called to be children of God. And Christ himself reminds us Without me, ye can do nothing. Therefore, with fear and trembling, Lord, help. Help. That's the command. But then there's a companion. Look at verse 13. For it is God. It is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Here is the divine enablement. You know that one of my favorite verses is found in the previous chapter, Philippians 1, verse 6, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. Now what I want to do I simply want to take the time because we're going to be going to the Lord's table here soon and I'm running out of gas. 
Look at the verse again. Verse 13. For it is God which worketh in you. And then he uses two words, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. There are two things that the Holy Spirit is seeking to do in you right now. Right now. Did I say that already? I mean right now. God, first of all, is seeking for your heart to will, to desire to do this work. The work of going in and mining out what God has put there. To will, to desire that which he has for you. See, we wind up looking at the priceless treasure that God has given us in Christ and we go, well, you know, I I praise God for, you know, a ticket to heaven, (laughs) but I've got plans. You know what? Our plans are nothing compared to what our God has for us. They're absolutely nothing. So he has a desire that we desire, not only desire his will, what he has for us, but then also that we would do it to will and to do of his good pleasure. Now, the Holy Spirit is there right now. I'm serious. Right now, the Godhead is working in you right now. And you might not understand that, but he's there. We, we sometimes, we, we wind up, even in church, we, we wind up putting up barriers. I've done it. Many of us, I'm sure, we could say, yeah, I've been there, done that. You know, we've heard God's word preached. We've taught and preached God's word. One of my prayers is, is as I'm working on this message, is Lord, help me to hear it for me. I've got to hear this. Satan comes up with all kinds of his lies to try to distract us, to try to defeat us. It's hard. (coughs) Excuse me. You hear about people that get so discouraged that they despair even of life And so they end it. Suicide has been on the rise and it's hard to hear. Old people, teenagers, I mean, it's it's horrendous. Satan is good at the lie, isn't he? I've been there, discouraged so much. I'm not going to go into that story now. But Satan is so subtle. 
The Lord is saying, listen, you don't need to be thinking that. You have trusted me for your salvation. Trust me for what I can do in you now. Because our eternal life has started now. Our God is at work in us now. And brethren, if you have named the name of Christ, right now, the Holy Spirit of God is seeking two things in you right now. That you look at these two verses at the very least and you begin to desire more and more that work that he has put in you. Not only to desire it, but to say, Lord, I surrender. I'll do it. Let's pray.